Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. I'm here today with Scott Wintrip. Scott is the president of the Wintrip Consulting Group. He's helped thousands of companies across the globe increase their revenue, improve their profitability, expand their market share, boost employee retention, and decrease labor intensity. He's consulted for a coach and educated more than 40,000 professionals, creating more than $1.2 billion in positive economic impact for his clients. He's appeared on the Staffing 100 for three consecutive years. That's a list of 100 of the most influential leaders in the world. As a result of his innovative leadership, development of cutting-edge tech training programs, and offering staffing executives a host of practical and sustainable solutions. He's got a new book, which is called Sales Yoga, A Transformational Practice for Opening Doors and Closing Deals. It's receiving acclaim all around the world, and he's been invited to speak at conferences in North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific. So welcome, Scott. Thank you, Linda. I'm very happy to be with you today. Okay, so I love the title of this book, and I have got to ask you, what on earth is sales yoga? Do we do sales in a downward dog pose? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> well, that certainly would get attention, wouldn't it? Uh, yes, for those absolutely. who've never done a downward dog, literally you're kind of like doing a push-up, but with your tail end really high in the air. So that, that would get attention, but uh, no. Uh, would, you like, would you like the technical definition or the fun definition, or would you like both? Let's do, let's do the technical one first, and then we'll get to the fun stuff. Okay. So technically speaking, sales yoga is a collaborative approach versus the coerciveness that's often uh, tied in with, with sales. And what's different about it is the needs of all parties are met because of this collaboration. So it becomes this mutual rewarding process in which every single person, the salesperson, the customer, everybody prospers. So that's the technical definition. Okay, and the fun definition? <laughs> I'm taking the yuck out of selling. <laughs> okay. Well, let now, me ask you a question, Linda. Do you like yep. to be sold to? Not usually. Yeah, that's the response I get from, from everybody I talk to. In fact, I, you know, you shared the stat, uh, and I, it's actually a little higher than 40,000 now, but I've been in front of 40,000 sales professionals and their managers and leaders of their companies. I've asked them all the same thing. Do you like to be sold to? Guess what percentage Linda say yes, they like to be sold to? Well, there must be somebody, and that's maybe 1% somewhere. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're very smart. It's actually less than 1%. Yep. And when I've dug into the reasons why, it's for the two isms, altruism and uh -huh. voyeurism. So right. they're very altruistic. They do sales so they know how hard it is or they're voyeuristic, they want to see how other people do it for comparison purposes. Right. But those are the only reasons that people who do selling like to be sold to. So if you think about that, the fact that salespeople don't like to receive what it is they deliver really accentuates the problem. And so how, why the yoga metaphor? Explain to me how well, you kind of came to this. If you think about so how I came to it was I started doing yoga. Okay. And, um, Candidly, I was one of uh, those kind of salespeople. I, I could sell ice cubes to Eskimos, according okay. to some people, and they were not paying me a compliment. I had slick lines, I had canned answers, and I was one of those salespeople. 
the people, the people we all avoid. It. The rest of us yeah, avoid. we all avoid. I didn't like me very much. Now, this was early <laughs> in my career before too much damage, too much damage was done. And I was in yoga around this time, and what I noticed was I was much more grounded in yoga than I ever was in selling. I was much more present when I was doing yoga than I ever was in selling. And it just dawned to me one day, what if I sold how I do yoga in a very integratable way, in a very grounded way, where it was about everybody doing well? Because that's what happens in a yoga class. It's not a competition. Mm-hmm. Everybody's there to do well for themselves. So when I think of yoga, and I do yoga as well, I think about mindfulness. Does the word mindfulness mm. come into your approach as well? Very very much so. In fact, the only mindfulness that's going on in some selling is the salesperson's mindful about they want to say, what they want to say next. And I'll give right. you an example of this. I, I was recently at an airport in Birmingham, Alabama. I happened to be sitting next to two salespeople in the restaurant there, great barbecue, sitting there eating this, and I'm listening to these salespeople, and for 45 minutes they were plotting and planning everything they were going to say. And, and then they, they did the, well, if he says this, we'll say this kind of thing. Not once was it about being mindful about what the customer had to say. It was all about what they had to say, and they were practicing the big problem in selling, and that is selling is telling. People know they're supposed to ask questions. They're supposed to listen, but they don't do it very well. And that's one of the indicators of the complete lack of mindfulness that often goes on in selling. Okay, so yeah, so they're sitting there. It's almost like the customer is sort of um, ancillary to the whole process. Right. (laughs) Oh, wait, there happens to be a customer too. (laughs) Salespeople love the sounds of their own voices, and therein lies part of the problem. So how how is this different? I mean, obviously you're saying don't do that, but but how do you take these people who've spent their entire lives – being trained in these methodologies to say, no, do it differently. Well, and and you actually are only talking about part of the problem. Yes, they've been taught, and even more importantly, they've had demonstrated for them this kind of coercive, pushy, inducing kind of selling for decades. But there's a bigger issue, and it's a software issue. You know, the software in salespeople's heads tells them to talk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're outgoing, they like to talk. On top of that, they've had demonstrated all these approaches. So what sales yoga does is simplifies the process of being present. One of the, the processes, for example, is called half-talk. And it's literally just that. It is the practice of mind over mouth. And by, by practicing mind over mouth, you become this thing called a half-talker. You're talking less than half the time or half as much as you are right now. That creates lots of space for the customer. You lay on other processes like that, and it takes the natural abilities, natural tendencies, and creates the opposite effect for these salespeople. They become mindful, they become present, and it becomes this really collaborative process. So, you're, you're, so one of the things you're saying is it's not, um, it, not stop in the middle, but try and talk less than half the time, let the customer talk. And, and by inference on that, if I'm talking less than half the time, hopefully I'm listening half the time, right? Or at least That's half the time. That's that's true. In fact, we've had it wrong for a long time in selling. We've focused on the wrong thing. It's been listen, 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 listen. It's talked about in all kinds of training programs. Any book you read on selling focuses on listening. Now I'll ask you, has listening gotten any better in selling? I don't think so. No, no. I don't either. So we've been focusing on the wrong thing. Listening is too hard to control. And therein lies the issue. In fact, I've had this theory. If we had to flap our ears every time we listened, we would actually do it better because we'd have to remember to flap our ears. 
so interesting. That, that, phys, that physical thing, remembering to have to do something, makes us more mindful and present. Therein lies the issue. There's nothing required of us when we're sitting there listening to remember to listen, so we forget to do it. Mind over mouth requires an action. That's shutting your trap. And the most important thing about that, uh, in fact, some people have said I should have called half talk the shut up technique. <laughs> One of the most important parts of this about the practice of sales yoga is we have a whole bunch of mantras. There's, a, there's an entire chapter in the book about sales mantras. One of the mantras is buyers always believe themselves, but they only sometimes believe salespeople. Mm. When we practice half talk, we're actually letting the better closer close. Right. And in sales yoga, I show people in the book how to get buyers to sell themselves on buying. Talk about effortless. Talk about easy. And yoga done right is fairly effortless, you know, to be in balance. Well, same right. thing with sales yoga. It's much more effortless to let the better closer close. That's always right. the buyer, never the salesperson. Interesting. So this really does go against what, what all these traditional sales methodologies have taught, which is don't forget to ask for the close and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, you know, closing techniques, um, uh, controlling the sale, all that stuff is incredibly archaic. Buyers don't want to participate. They don't want to be talked into anything, but they will participate in a process where they feel in control, and that's what happens. This is a facilitated process where salespeople walk people down a logical path where they want to buy. Mm -hmm. I actually call this an inspired sale. You know, the inspired sale requires two things. It requires trust which is lacking in many sales interactions, but it also requires an odd word, compulsion. compulsion. People must feel, compa yeah, compulsion. Compulsions are usually this unhealthy thing in our society, but there are healthy compulsions as well. Feeling so compelled to buy because you've talked yourself into it becomes an inspired sale when that's encapsulated with trust. You do that, sales becomes much easier if you're the salesperson and much more pleasant if you're the buyer. Interesting. So, so we're actually compelling this, the, uh, the buyer to buy by doing less selling. Yeah, and in fact, they're actually compelling themselves to buy because they always believe themselves. They only sometimes believe that salesperson. That's true. That's true. So tell me, who would, who would really benefit from this process? Well, it's more of a who wouldn't benefit, but that's a cop-out answer, so let right. me give you a better one than that. So anybody who sells anything benefits. You know, I've had people from some of the largest well-known companies, from, from the Boeings to the Wells Fargo to American Red Cross, who you would think is not a sales organization. All of them have benefited from these techniques. Uh, and the reality is we all sell something. Uh, yes, salespeople sell a product or service. But face it, you know, we're, we're all in sales. Anybody who has an idea, a product, a service, a request, uh, something they want supported, approved, recommended, bought into, that involves selling. So right. I've had people on job searches use this to sell themselves. I've had leaders use this to sell the next idea to get that prized buy-in. And I've had salespeople from all types of organizations benefit from this very straightforward but very powerful approach. Excellent. So tell me, you've talked a little bit about this, but, but tell me some of the most important aspects of it. One of the things is mind over mouth. And one of the things mm -hmm. is letting buyers believe themselves. What are some of the other key points that are important for this? Well, I bet you didn't know that you actually can launch more selling just by the questions you ask. Oh, interesting. So here's an interesting fact about questions. <clears throat> Any question that's more than 10 words is too hard for people to digest. 
And just think, Linda, back in your own history. You know, I bet you've had to repeat questions at times. And if you think back to, you know, people going, huh, or say that again, if you could think back to those moments and count the number of words that you used, I virtually can guarantee you it was more than 10. That's a good point. Yeah, what's interesting with questions of 10 words or less, they literally launch people into giving more details. And there's some science behind this. The behavioral component is anything that's 10 words or less, unless you make it confusing or convoluted in some way, is so easily understood by the listener that they spend more time on their answer than thinking about your question. So you get more details, you get more probative thought, you get just more quality to the conversation. Now what's interesting is salespeople, when you watch them in action, they do the exact opposite. They use two other types of questions that I call locking and leading questions. Locking questions lock people into a yes or no, and leading questions lead people to choices you provide. Mm-hmm. Salespeople in practice almost all the time use those two about 80% of the time. And I can't even say they use launching questions because theirs are long-winded, so they're, they're right. open-ended at best. So therein lies the issue. So part of the habit-changing process in sales yoga is we get people asking more of the right questions, but configured in a way that buyers really hear them so quickly, they give much, much better answers. And if you haven't already figured it out, that's what leads to half talk, too, is you're really getting out of the way of the buyer. Great. That's fantastic. Wow. So that, this is fantastic, and it's really interesting. So, so tell me, what have been uh, some of the experiences of people who have really adapted this? Have they seen results immediately? Are, are salespeople somewhat um, reticent or, or hesitant to, to kind of jump in? Well, I'll tell you one of my favorite stories. I, I'd say, you know, some people are. Some people don't want to change. They like their old tried-and-true ways. You also have other salespeople who love the sound of their voice so much that they don't want to give that up. And, and there are some salespeople who just don't care about the impact they're having. For the rest of them, and I happen to believe that's the majority, <clears throat> what they're finding is this isn't just getting them a quicker result and a better result, but it's making sales easier. Because think about if the buyer believes themselves, and they only sometimes believe you, if you let the buyer sell themselves, this goes much quicker and much easier. In fact, the buyer does most of the talking, they do the heavy lifting. But give you an example from my own experience, because I'm a sales yogi. Uh, that that mm-hmm. just means practitioner of sales yoga. And one of the ways that you can use sales yoga is to help people change their mind, or some people like to call that overcoming an objection. And I had one of my buyers years ago come to me. You know, it's the dreaded phone calls that salespeople get. Uh, one of my competitors had beat my rate. And I had gone to uh, the, the buyer and said, you know, I'm, I'm willing to offer you the same service, which I debate that one, that it was the same service, for this cheaper rate. So my buyer comes to me grudgingly and says, look, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't look into this. I really need you to meet this rate or I'm going to have to go th- with this other service. So I thanked the buyer. I said, hey, thanks for, for calling and talking to me. And then I asked him a question, launching question. What would make it worth continuing to work with me at my rate? And there was a big pregnant pause as he thought about what would make it worth. Yeah. What's that? He wasn't expecting that. No, he was totally not expecting that. In fact, I I knew that by the pregnant pause that I really was on to something because he was now thinking about what would make it worth it. Because we had a great relationship. We had the trust and we had the compulsion and my experience is buyers are tend to be compelled to want to stick with what they have if it makes sense. 
So I'm giving him a reason to find a way to make sense. After about 30 seconds, he says, you know, Scott, there is one thing. <laughs> and I, I'm going, well, thank goodness. And I said, well, what is that? He says, well, you know, our payables department has been on us to get a little bit longer terms. If you can give me a little bit longer terms, that may make it worth it to continue to work with you. Next natural question, now this is called an integrated question. I just take his answer, his answer to, to the, the uh, question, and integrate it into my next question. I said, what would be a little bit longer? He says, oh, I don't know, about 10 more days. Now, here's the magic of this one. This was a company that was already paying in about 20 days. Now it's going to be 30. Gee, is that a hardship on my part? No, so now I get to close him. I said, well, look, if I can get you those 10 more days, then can we continue to work together? Linda, the best part of this was not only did he said yes, he said thanks, Scott. <laughs> I remember sitting on the other end of the phone going, you're thanking me for continuing to work with you at a higher rate and all you got out of the deal was 10 more days. But the buyer always believes themselves. It was his idea. In fact, I right. probably could have never come up with something so simple because what most salespeople do is they want to throw out all kinds of options, maybe even give away the store, hoping the buyer will stay with them. No, the buyer always believes themselves. Of course he believed his own idea. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, that's wonderful, Scott. Thank you so much. So it turns out we can do sales yoga without a mat. Uh, without um, without a mat and straps and um, and no stra no uh, sweat either the sweating is completely optional yeah that's right and, uh, and and we also we don't need to do downward dogs and and forward bends and all of that cool stuff but unless uh, you want to and like I said before it'd be a that little be awkward but you will stand version. out the advanced version do this while standing <laughs> on one foot so and twist it <laughs> around right thank you we've that's been exactly talking right. with with Scott Wintrip of Wintrip Consulting Group. You can find out about more about Scott and what he's done at www.wintrip, that's W-I-N-T-R-I-P, consultinggroup.com. Thanks very much, Scott. Thanks for having me, Linda. Okay, this is Linda Popke. Until next time, thanks for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.